Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Author Alicia Crandall shares her story to inspire and bring healing in her book, Don't Get Caught Up in the Story, Just Get the Message. I'm really happy that Alicia is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Alicia, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. It is such a blessing to be in attendance, and I'm so grateful that the Lord has allowed this to happen. I'm grateful as well. I have quite a story to tell here. So can you tell us all about Don't Get Caught Up in the Story, Just Get the Message? Everywhere I go, I'm always doing the work of the Lord, and I realize at a young age, that's just my mission. And when you accept your mission for Christ, it makes it a little bit more easier And it allows you to share your stories instead of being so conservative and are secretive with your stories. You become more open to share them because it's a message. It's a message in every single thing we go through in life. But if we don't look at our stories as messages, we'll get caught up in them and we won't ever get the message. So the Lord gave it to me. He says, you know what? You have so many stories to share and people are always wanting to hear more of your stories. He says, why don't you just share the stories and let them know not to get caught up in the message? So that's where this title came from. Don't get caught up in the story. Just get the message. And literally the Lord says your stories show and or reveal and or and or exemplify Mm -hmm. your relationship with the Lord. So no matter how you look at it, there are stories that show my relationship with the Lord. And even when you are in tune with the stories, you feel the spirit of the Lord present. And it's a reminder to not get caught up in the story, but get the message, because the message is to have a relationship, not a relationship. Religion is so tainted nowadays, Mm -hmm. and we're so encouraged to have religion when it's like, no, hold on, wait a minute. Without relationship, religion don't exist. So it's literally allowing readers to understand that having a relationship with the Lord is muy importante, very important. (laughs) What kinds of readers do you think would be into this? I really believe Every single person in this world can read this book and be able to be enlightened in a whole different way. Whether you are a Christian believer, whether you are a non-believer, whether you are a child, whether you are an adult. I have an 11-year-old child and he has autism. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. And I have four children. They're all phenomenal. But he was the first one to read it all the way. And it encouraged our other children to read it because he read it. Oh, wow. And he says, Mom, I know you made this book for adults. He says, but you need to let children read this too. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, and this is coming from a child that I was once told wouldn't be able to talk, wouldn't be able to do things that are called normancy. And he literally gave me the first review of why all ages, all people around the entire world should read it, because it's not your traditional relationship, because tradition teaches us religion. But this is breaking that barrier down. This is a true relationship with the Lord, and you're able to see how it's tied into him and not into me. So it's not about me. That's why you can't get caught up in the story, because it's just me telling the story. But it's not about me. It's about the Lord. (laughs) Mm. How long were you working on this? So the Lord had given me a message years ago, Corey. Years ago, Corey. He's like, write a book. 
And I'm super private. I'm like, nah, I don't want to write a book. Mm, I don't want to do that, Lord. I'll just keep going to church and wherever I shop at, I'll share your message there. I'll just talk to the people at the stores and Nordstrom's at Target. I'll just talk to them then. And I was literally telling the Lord that. And he kept saying, write a book, Alicia. And I'm like, no, Lord, I don't want to write a book. I got the word. I know you. And that's okay. I'm, it's well in my soul. And the Lord is just so clever, but he's also so funny. So when the whole shutdown happened, what most people in this world call the pandemic, I immediately knew it wasn't a pandemic. The Lord literally told me, this is a spiritual healing. So I call it a spiritual healing. Immediately when the shutdown happened, the spirit of the Lord came back in my mind with the book. He says, you have nothing to do but to sit and write a book. And it was literally that time. And it took me all of two months to write the book because I had already years of information and wisdom from him. So it was a matter of just sitting down and putting that collective data into a book for the readers because I had all of this wisdom already written out that I would just teach our children, teach my husband, teach myself. So it was time for me to share to the world the things that the Lord had already placed in me. The name of the book is Don't Get Caught Up in the Story, Just Get the Message written by Alicia Crandall and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Alicia, thank you so much again for joining me here tonight. I truly had a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you, Corey, so much for being obedient unto the Spirit and doing this interview today. For the Lord knows who needs to be touched by this interview. And we say we're going to do a certain thing and we say we're going to do a certain kind of act or talk or walk. But when God says go, go. So thank you for going when God says go, Corey, and thank you for being obedient unto his word because only what you do for Christ will last and this interview will last and it's not only going to last, but it's going to touch someone in such an impactful, godly, inspiring, ambassador for Christ way. Because when you influence for Christ, you only grow to be an ambassador for Christ. So don't stop influencing and don't stop being an ambassador. May God be with you. May God love you. And may you give him the glory in all that you go through. Thank you, Alicia. You're so welcome. Tonight, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm joined by author Don Schofield. Don, thank you for being here with me tonight. I appreciate it. You've got a brand new book out on shelves right now called Matthias and the Kingdom of Cush. Can you tell me what it's all about? Well, this is a novel which imagines Matthias is the apostle who will replace Judas and his undertaking at the beginning of his ministry to spread the word of Christ, which, as I tell it, is a journey to the African kingdom, the kingdom of Cush. So what gave you the idea to write this? I'd have to give credit to my wife. After one of her Bible studies, she asked if I knew anything about this Apostle Matthias, which was nothing. One thing led to another, and I began to look into the subject. I knew nothing about Cush, or as the Romans knew it, the island of Moreau. So I dug, and I was hooked. How long were you working on it? (laughs) The full first year of the pandemic. Oh, wow. (laughs) Have you done this kind of thing before? What's your writing background look like? I have I have published a biography before this on a Texas rancher and oil man, but this this is my first novel. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. A novel is much different fiction opposed to nonfiction. Was oh, that a yes. challenge? Oh yes, very much so. It you have to get into the characters so much into into uh, fiction that it, that it yes, totally different, totally different experience. Mm. 
So what was it like when you got that first one in your hands? You know, you're working on it for so long, you just see it on the computer screen, and you get that first copy, and you're holding it. It was, uh, the word I would use, two words I would use. One, it was exciting, and it was fun. You, you know you put something, what you put down on a sheet of paper, you're now sharing with others. It, it, was, it was a fun experience. Now, looking down the road, are you thinking about writing more, maybe doing another novel or going the nonfiction route again? Yes. a matter of fact, I have just finished, and I'm now editing, another novel, the same area, about the apostles and their stories. Only this one's going to be about Thomas, the Apostle Thomas, hmm. and his trials, triumphs, while also disseminating the good news of Christ in India. Oh, that's wonderful. Did you ever reach a point where you were writing a story and you just got writer's block, just like nothing was coming out? I've been asked that before, and I, I don't get writer's block as much as I get character, I would call character interference. Hmm. One character wants to take over from another character, or I, the, the, the chain of the story changes or something like that, but I don't really get writer's block as much. Hmm. Is there anything you do in your life to keep the ideas going? Anything to keep you inspired? I would think just just reading and staying current with things and then go on. With me, I, I, I'm a historian. I love going back in time, mm. and I, I especially love the first century. And when I do that, I try to put myself in the place of a character and go back in that time and see how they would handle the various experiences that are undertaking at that, at that, that time frame. Writing is a huge undertaking, and there are a lot of people listening right now who want to write a book. They might have an idea. What advice could you give them? Go for it. Just plain go for it. Don't just keep looking at that blank sheet of paper. Write something. You can always edit it. Just go for it. Did you have people in your life who could support you and motivate you along this, who knew that you were writing this book, and they could just sort of keep you going? Sure. I had, I had a, uh, well, my first, of course, would be my wife. And then I had some friends along the way. But most, mostly was my, my wife. She put up with me looking at that computer sp uh, screen almost daily for a year. So I'd have to give her credit. How much of writing this story was planned out, outlined beforehand, and how much of it was just sort of going with it? I, I can't write without doing an outline. Hmm. My, my method of writing is, one, I have to research. I want to know the background. Of course, a novel is, is going to be fiction, but I want to know the background. I, 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 I love going back into history. And after I outline, I then try to get into the mind, if you can put it that way, of the character, and then I'll sit down and put pen to paper. The name of the book is Matthias in the Kingdom of Cush, written by Don Schofield and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Don, thanks again for joining me here. Thank you for sharing about your book. I look forward to next time. Well, thank you very much. Right now, I'm sitting down with author Chanel T. Aline. She's got a new book out called David Dingle Learned Emuna. Chanel, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm very curious about this book. Can you tell me what it's all about? Sure. This story is actually about a young boy who is taught the scriptures from his parents, and they are Jewish parents in the child, of course, and he's learning them, and as he's learning them, he's actually experiencing them in real life, and it actually brings questions to not only him as a child, but also to his parents as an adult. Hmm. Where did the idea or the inspiration to write this come from? 
I used to actually work for an organization, which was a Jewish company, and I met a lot of wonderful people there. And I actually learned that a lot about the, the Jewish culture. And I had, was able to take a trip to Israel, and it just so much inspired me, and the scriptures came alive. And I realized that as adults, we get to learn these things, but what about a child? Hmm. And working in education from for many years, just under 20 years, I wanted people to be able to see it from a child's perspective as well. That's wonderful. What age range did you have in mind? Um, it's actually from any age group. Anyone can learn from it because it has aspects from a child's point of view, which would encourage children. And then you get into the teenage and young adult, as well as the parents who, as his parents did in the story, they question their faith as well. So have you done this kind of thing before? Have you written or published anything? I used to write poetry where I had a, where one of my poems were in a compilation, but not an actual book coming together as this did. Congratulations on getting that first one out there. That's going to be the toughest one, that first one. Yes, yes. <laughs> so do you have more on the docket? Are you thinking about publishing some more? I do. I currently just um, have one release. It's called Heartache's Redemption. That is a young adult adult book about the redemption of forgiveness and that you can, you can try and find true love again to encourage people. Now, writing and publishing is certainly a chore. There's a lot of work involved in it. What would you say was the most challenging part of it for you? Probably staying focused because, you know, you still, I'm still working and, you know, you want to still socialize with your friends and do all of these different things. So making sure I get that balance of time mm. to when the ideas and inspiration comes that I actually sit and say, this is the time I need to put it on paper mm. to get it done. Are there times when you did sit to write, but the ideas didn't come like a writer's block thing? Did you ever encounter that? I did. I didn't want to just put anything on paper. Mm. I really had to take time to pray, and I was reading different things to get encouraged myself. And until I had the inspiration to actually put it on paper, I, I went weeks sometimes without having anything. And it wasn't until when that came to me, then it kind of just flowed again. So do you have any words of advice for aspiring authors? You know, we have a lot of listeners out there right now who are thinking of writing a book, maybe have an idea or a story to tell. Do you have any words of wisdom to get them going? I would say if God has blessed you with the talent and an ability to be able to write, it's for a purpose. And it's for others to be able to read it regardless to what the message is going to be, that he will get the glory and believe for it. And when you believe for it, just do it. Just step out on faith and just do it, and he'll help you to get through it. We've been talking about how much work and time goes into writing and publishing a book. So can you tell me how you were feeling, what kind of thoughts that you were experiencing when you got that first copy in your hands? Oh, it was, it was shock, <laughs> mm. in a way. Um, I had so much joy in just being thankful. I don't think, I think my face muscles got tired from smiling so much. I was just <laughs> walking around with a continuous smile. It's just such a relief and it's such a gratification to know that it was actually done. Hmm. Well, Chanel's book is called David Dingle Learned Emunah. Of course, it's written by Chanel T. Aline and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore. Well, Chanel, thank you again for joining me. Thank you for writing this book. I think it's really fantastic. Had a really good time and hope we can do this again next time. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time as well. God bless you greatly. 
Right now with me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Lucas Gordon McIntyre. He's got a second novel out right now called The Way. Lucas, thanks for being here with me today. Appreciate the time to talk to you. Absolutely. This is your second novel, The Way, so can you tell me all about it? Sure. Uh, the Way is uh, basically about the two individuals who technically appear to have everything uh, anyone could ever want. Um, there's uh, Tiffany, who's a supermodel, and Joshua is a popular business owner. But in reality, they uh, basically their lives are really self-destructive. For example, Tiffany's employer is into sex trafficking, so she's actually stuck in that. And Joshua, he's got a bunch of problems with uh, addictions and so forth and of violence, and he's kind of propelling uh, into a life of depravity. Through a series of events, though, the two of them independently come into contact with a couple from out of town who uh, attempts to bring them to hope in Jesus Christ. Mm. Is this a continuation of your first novel, or is this a separate thing? Actually, this is a separate. In fact, um, I came up with the idea while I was in the middle of writing my second sentient book. Mm. About how long were you working on this one? Interestingly enough, I started coming up with uh, scenes not in consecutive order over about a two-month period, and I just kind of write them down, and after a while, I realized I had another story. So once I realized that, I, I stopped writing The Sentient Battlefield Mine and focused on this. Once I did that, it took probably five or six months. That includes finishing it and go back through and, and kind of tightening things up and so forth. When you sit down to write a novel, do you sort of outline everything from beginning to end? Uh, do you have a loose structure at all, or do you just sort of go with the ideas? I know you, you said you had some scenes already developed for this one, so what was that process? Yeah, now The Sentient was my first book, and that's my first go at writing, and I just basically just kind of went wherever it took me. But when I started The Ascension Battlefield Mine, which I started before The Way, I did try to do an outline. However... <laughs> It started going in its own direction, so I got rid of the outline. And then, of course, so uh, now it was a little bit different with the way, though, because I had these scenes kind of pop up in random order. And once I realized they is probably a story, and they were probably five or six chapters of their own, then it came to the point where okay, I had to figure out what order they were in, and then develop all these interlocking scenes and chapters. So that that was kind of unusual, and uh, I don't know any other authors. So I I don't know. <laughs> that's quote unquote the correct way to write. I'm still new at the writing thing, so but that's how that one came out. I don't think there is a correct or incorrect way to write, to be honest with you. I've heard so many strategies that are differing right. from so many people. It just seems to be like go with what works for you. Right, absolutely. So before this you had the sentient and what's your writing background like? Have you been doing this a while? No, not necessarily. When I was a lot younger I wrote and I wasn't a believer at the time either, so but I did have vaguely a writing background from that perspective. Mm. But I haven't written anything, let alone anything published or worthy of being published um, in my life up until a few years ago. I get the feeling that you might have some more books in you. Would I be right? Or are you working on more? I am. I got three that I've started. I have uh, The Queen of uh, Persia, which is a historical fictional narrative of the Book of Esther, because that's one of my favorite books of the Bible. There's also Metamorphosis, which is a non-fictional book where I'm going back through and I'm having this dialogue with my former atheist self and basically trying through how, why and how I converted from atheism to Christianity. I've started that one and also my third sentient book, Rise of the Shell. That one I'm kind of working more on at the moment, mm. but those are the three that I've started. The name of the book is The Way, written by Lucas Gordon McIntyre and published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
course, you can get this everywhere you shop for your books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Lucas, thanks again for joining me here tonight. I certainly admire your creativity and your passion for this and, and the fantastic message that you're putting out there in your work. I had a really nice time chatting with you tonight. Well, thanks, Corey. I appreciate it. I'm joined now by author Adam Wood. He's just written a book about something a lot of us don't hear about or think about often, but it is very significant. Adam, thank you for being here with me tonight. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Your new book is called Our Premie Adventure. Can you tell us all about it? Yes. Our Premie Adventure is a humorous and heartwarming look at life in the NICU for families that have premature children. So it talks about the journey that parents and children go through as they work towards going home. But it's seen through more of a humorous and fun lens to help make the journey seem a little less scary. As many parents that are currently or have been in the NICU, they're going through a very traumatic experience. So this is a way to help transform that experience into something very positive that they can look forward to and help showcase their journey. Mm. So you would say this is a book then that parents would get the most out of? The book would really benefit both parents and children. We've already had a lot of responses from parents and children who have read the book, children that are currently in these situations in the NICUs and hospitals and being read the book, and also children that have been out of the NICU for a number of years. And this book really allows the children to see the experiences that they went through, their journey being very unique and very different. But at the same time, being able to see it through a very fun and positive lens with colorful illustrations and just kind of see it for, from a different light. And for me, it also allows parents to be able to relive that journey, be able to look back at the positives, the milestones, the things that they celebrated as they worked towards bringing their child home. Because for many parents, their journey may be a few days or it could be over a year mm. where they're in the hospital with their children. So this book is really a celebration of all those achievements that many parents kind of look at and think, okay, this is just, this is an everyday thing. It's your first outfit or your first bath. But for families that are in the NICU, that are in the hospital with their children that are born premature, they could be weeks or months before they get a chance to actually wear their first outfit or mm. get a chance to have a bath or get a chance to even be held by their parents. So these milestones are really celebrations and that's what the book's really all about. About. Was there something in particular that inspired you to write the book and to tell this story to the world? It was inspired by our journey. Our son Brady was born on May 25th, 2018 at 25 weeks, weighing just one pound, four ounces. Wow. We were very surprised by that. Obviously a very unique journey. And we wanted to show, I wanted to showcase our journey and the journey of so many people because it's estimated that one in nine families will be born or children will be born premature at some point. And for about thirty to 40,000 each year, they are in the same category as our son, who was born as a micropremie. So he was below two pounds. So this journey definitely in this book helps celebrate that and showcases what he overcame and what children every single day are overcoming. The miracles that they are being able to overcome adversity, to be able to grow, develop and to witness really a truly a miracle of their parents being able to see that. So I wanted to take this journey that we went through, a very difficult journey. We spent 135 days in the NICU and we spent the last three years really secluded because of not only COVID, but our son's existing conditions. I and mean, he went home on oxygen and a variety of medications. And a lot of families are in very similar situations and in many cases, worse situations. And they're going through quite a bit. They're going through a lot of trauma, 
a lot of experiences each day that are very unique to there and they feel really alone. And this book really wanted is something that I was inspired to write because my son had such a great turnaround, had such a great story. And I wanted it to be something that a parent could pick up that's in that same position we were a few years ago and trying to look ahead and say, is there going to be a happy ending? What do I have to look forward to? And I wanted the book to be something that they can look at and say, you know, there's another family that went through something very similar or the exact situation and there's hope. And I hope that that book brings it to them. Hmm. It's called Our Premium Adventure. Written by Adam Wood, published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere you shop for your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Adam, thanks again for sharing this story with the world. I'm sure you're going to help out an awful lot of people. It was really nice chatting tonight. Thank you so much. I appreciate having me on. It's really healthy to be able to laugh through all the ups and downs that life throws at us. And author L. Maxine McQueen tells about how she can do that in her new book, Life to the Max. Now, the author Max is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Max, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for asking me. Can you tell me all about Life to the Max? Well, I have wanted to write since I was about 10 years old. And I have one of those lives where people tell me that you need to write a book because weird things are always happening to me. (laughs) And I kind of found out that you don't get through life without a whole lot of faith and a whole lot of humor. Mm -hmm. So I put my stories on paper for the last seven, some, yeah, about seven years. I've been writing weekly columns for different newspapers about things that have happened in my life. So is this your first book then? This is my first book. Yeah, congratulations. It's such a Thank huge you. deal. How does it feel now that you can say, hey, I have a published book out there. I'm, a, I'm an author. It feels awesome. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of surreal yet. It's new enough that, you know, I'm nervous. Is it going to sell? But yeah, it feels really good. It's a, it's a nice accomplishment under my belt. Now, we mentioned, you know, life has ups and downs for everybody. There's the good and there's the bad. And you're writing about all of this here in your book, and you're reliving a lot of this, a lot of memories. So was this tough for you to write, or was this a relatively easy thing for you to put on paper? Yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, your question, I guess. It was fun looking back at the good things, at the funny things. Mm. It amazes me what was totally humiliating, and I didn't want anybody to know. A short time later turns funny, gives you a different perspective on life. So I don't get quite as embarrassed as I used to because you can always turn it around. The difficult times are hard to relive. I have lost a son, Mm, and that was very hard, but probably one of the, the hardest chapters I wrote, stories I wrote, was about him. The title of the chapter is We Have No Name. And, you know, I kind of gather in all the parents that have lost children and how we can't express ourselves. I mean, you can be a widow, you can be a widower, you can be divorced, but there's no word for us that people can understand what we are. Wow. So are you thinking about maybe pursuing more book writing and publishing more? Yes, I am. I've got enough of my own writing to make another book. Hmm. And I've been approached by some state troopers, and they want me to put their memories on paper and see if oh, we can wow. sell that book. Both their good memories and the, you know, like like the humor in it and also the drama, the sadness of it. So did you have people around you in your life who knew you were writing this book and could offer encouragement or support along the way? Oh, yes. 
I had a cousin. I've got a cousin that there's two weeks difference between us, and she's always been my cheerleader. Without her, I'm sure it wouldn't have been written. I always wrote long letters to my aunts and my great aunts, and they always encouraged me to put it down and put it in a book. So before there was email, there was me writing my family members. (laughs) So what advice would you have now for aspiring authors who also want to get their first book out there? To journal so that you can remember. Don't give up. It's hard. Don't think you'll ever get rich at it. You got to really want to do it. You got to really love to write because Mm. very few authors will make a lot of money. But just knowing that you're making a difference. I mean, I have got some responses from some of my readers, and it has made it all worthwhile that Mm -hmm. I can make them laugh, make them giggle. (laughs) Say, yeah, I went through that, and I'm so glad that somebody else has walked that path, too. Mm. The name of the book is Life to the Max, written by L. Maxine McQueen. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Max, thank you again for joining me on the show here today. I had a wonderful time learning about life to the max and chatting with you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. There are inspiring words in the new book by James Hardiman. It's called Inspirational Heart, Volume 1. I'm really happy that James is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. James, thank you for joining me here tonight. I so appreciate it. So can you tell me all about Inspirational Heart, Volume 1? Inspirational Heart is basically about your life and a life that we have in the human being body combined with God and the precious Holy Spirit to help bring us correction, root proof, God characteristics, traits, and godly attributes to live our lives as God's children as he see it that he wanted our lives to be lived like walking on the earth through our shortcomings, our faults, our negative behaviors that keep seeing prison in your life that change may spring forth by the purging and renewing of your mind and your attitude. And believe you me, you need to change that uncognitive thinking back into the cognitive thinking to make better choices and better decisions possible to beautify your life and the lives of the people that surround you. Hmm. Was there anything in particular that inspired you or sparked you to begin writing this book and then publishing it? What sparked me off was the fact that, my goodness, it's, it's not just one certain spark, but it was literally nice fire on me just listening to Oprah last show going off the air. Mm. And she said, basically, if God had wanted you to do something, you put all your all into it, your heart, mind, body, spirit, and your strength. And, you know, in success, it's already yours if you keep those things going when you believe in something or purpose that you have to do. So that got me sparked to put the pen to the paper. Hmm. But I can always say that it was my late grandfather, grandmother, that allowed me to be able to know God through hmm. Jesus Christ. And my late bishop, Elder Robert Greer, and his beautiful wife, Sister Ann Greer, she was an evangelist. And they was the ones that made sure we had constant communication with God. And so that sparked me to get into God. And I believe when I was about 17 years old, the Spirit of God told me I would write books. But life went on until he put me to a place where I was able to write these books and start it. And I so happened started it on the day that I saw that last show of Oprah. Now, this is volume one. Can you tell me about what you have planned for further volumes? What I have planned for the further volume is to get them into everybody's household, all three of the books. They need all three of them because it has a lot to do with what God allowed me to write by the Spirit, you know? 
And it was almost like the words was already in my brain. And soon as the pencil hit the paper, my hand was just right and right and right because I took so long to write these books from God and my spirit telling me it. I said, I'm going to write one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Ghost. So mm. I'm going to try to make up the time that I had lost. So not knowing everything that I needed to write was already in my brain. So I just kept writing continually. And then I hear the Spirit tell me to stop and what scripture to actually go get from just writing straight out of my brain. Mm. So my brain is connected to the brain of every people in this world, every person from the child to the adult. And I'm sure that they mind and they thoughts and different decisions and choices that they have to make has to go through them and flow through their body just like it does mine. And they can get some points from me just like I can get points from them through other books. And I tell you what, it's an inspirational thing going on, especially through the type of things that's going on with the coronavirus. So I'm sure there's everybody in the world, I'm sure, should be in need of some inspiration more than they can get. Absolutely. The name of the book is Inspirational Heart, Volume 1, written by James Hardiman. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you shop for your reading material, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore, too. Well, James, thank you very much for visiting the show here tonight. I truly admire your passion and, and your heart for reaching out and, and helping others with your book. I hope we can do this again soon. I sure hope so, too, and I sure appreciate it. And I thank you so much. God bless you all. Teachers are some of the most influential people in our lives, and an extraordinary teaching career is detailed in the new book by Ken Rand. It's called One Student at a Time, A Teacher's Journey. Ken is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ken, thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you for uh, having me. I appreciate it. Can you tell me all about this book you've written? The title really says what it is. It's a novel about my journey from 1967 through 2015, both in and out of the classroom. I've been very fortunate to have some incredible experiences, again, in and out of the classroom that are almost, if you, didn't, if you weren't there to witness them, you wouldn't believe them. Was there anything in particular that inspired you or sparked you to write your story and tell the world? Well, my biggest inspiration is my students, but for, for those 47 years, or I've been telling those stories in my classroom, hmm. and my students are spellbound more, more <laughs> by that than by the math. <laughs> and, you know, people keep encouraging me to write a book, and my sister-in-law read a book by another teacher called Teacher Man. She called me up. She said, you have to write your book. Hmm. So this is the first book you've put out there then? Well, this is the first novel that I've written. I published a boring algebra textbook. <laughs> I've published some uh, workbooks and, and activities and games for math. But I've also published some games that were sold to the general public. And they were sold in Sears and Macy's and KB Toy and Obby. So it's not my first publication, but it's my first novel. Were there any challenges along the way that were significant? Yes. Yes, there were. Telling the stories is very easy. But telling the story so that the reader can feel like they were there is not so easy. So I had to constantly reread and rewrite and reread and rewrite until I could feel, and from feedback that I got, that people actually were in that situation with me and they could feel the raw emotions that I was going through. So that was the challenge. Mm. How long were you working on this? Oh, are you sitting down? 45 years. Oh, my goodness. I think that's a record now. Yeah, I did, maybe. 
it actually, I started writing it when I left my 10 years at the junior high school in New York City. And again, I, I, in those 10 years, I was part of a special program where those, a lot of these stories happened. So I immediately decided to put them down on paper, in which I wrote about seven chapters. And then I lost it. It somehow disappeared oh, no. into my garage somewhere. And 41 years later, I found it. Oh, my gosh. And I just said to myself, I have to finish it. I have a lot more stories to tell. <laughs> After that long, you just got to say, wow, it's meant to be. I guess so. You're talking about, you know, all the challenges of writing this along the way. So what advice could you offer to aspiring authors who are looking to write their first one and just need some motivation? A couple of things. Uh, by the way, that's a really great question. One is to read as much as possible. Hmm before and during your writing. And that is because it's really affected my style of writing. Because you learn from other people. You know, again, I thought that my stories, when I would read them back out loud to myself, were good. But then when I read someone else who's a much better writer than I am, I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, I said, I can include this, I can be more descriptive about this, or find a way that, again, for people to feel what I'm feeling. So let's read as much as you can. And number two, just go go for it. You know, if you feel you have a story to tell, just, just do it. You know, find a way to get it down. And again, have people read your writing before you try to publish it. Did writer's block ever get you? There were times, yeah, well, 44 years of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but once I got started uh, on it, it was just a matter of finding a way to format it and to, again, to refine it. My, my original book that I, that I was even doing three, four years ago of trying to finish this was a book to, on how to teach and plus the stories. But there's no market for a book like that. There's a book, there's a market for how to teach and there's, there's a market for the stories, but not both of them together. Mm. So I never got writer's block, but I just got writer's anxiety. Like, mm. what's the best way, best format to present this? And I finally decided after reading my cousin's novel, which happened to be his bestseller, that his book was all about all stories. I said, that's the way to go. Hmm. I'm just going to tell the stories and let people enjoy them. I can do another book on how to teach later. Yeah, I think that was a great slant to take for this. So what's the chances of maybe another novel coming out of you? Well, again, how to teach may, may be not a novel that would be open to a lot of wide public readers, but uh, I probably will do that. But I'm working on another autobiography, which has all the stories I didn't put into this one. Oh, wow. All the stories that happened before I became a teacher and even after I retired and certain stories that I left out of this book on purpose and so on. So I still I have more stories to tell. Matter of fact, that's like almost like the last line of my book. Oh, that's wonderful. So you're talking about how your students were your main inspiration for this book. But while you were writing this and going through the publishing process, did you have people around you in your life who knew you were putting all this hard work and time into it and just could be there to support you and maybe encourage you? Oh, yes, yes. A lot of my colleagues were there. I would, I would send them chapters to read, and they would give me feedback, editorial feedback and content feedback. My son, who's an editor for Apple, he kept pushing me and pushing me to rewrite and reread and rewrite. And thanks to him, I, I was able to do a lot better with my writing. So there, I had a tremendous report. Mm. How did it feel then when you got that first copy of this book in your hands? You could actually hold it and read it. I'm tempted to say it's undescribable. But there, there's an overwhelming sense of pride. Mm. It's just that simple. It's a sense of accomplishment, especially at the age of 75. Wow. Well, congratulations. Truly a big accomplishment in your life. Again, the book is called One Student at a Time, A Teacher's Journey, written by Ken Rand and is published by Fulton Books. 
You can find this everywhere you get your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Ken, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Well, I'd like to welcome here to the Reader House Author Roundtable co-authors Karen and Taylor Ellenbecker. They wrote a new book. It's called My Pillow Has Wings, A True Story of Loss, Love, and Forgiveness. Ladies, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you for asking us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. So uh, can one of you or both of you give me an overview of what the book's all about? So the book is essentially a story about when I was a young girl growing up and just like noticing that I was a lot different than other kids. It deals with big feelings, things like anxiety and empathy, and really, it almost is like a guide for children, how to deal with those emotions, but it's kind of based after personal experiences that I went through when I was younger. It's also, the book is, um, as much as it is for the child who is being read to, it's also about the experiences and the feelings that it brings up and the person who's actually reading it. We realize that there are so many families out there that are dealing with loss of various different kinds, and we really wanted them to feel as if they weren't alone. And certainly for Taylor and I, it brought us closer. And there were so many times when Taylor, as a little girl, missed her mom, and she was having nightmares and feeling really sad. And so one day I just surprised her with bed sheets that looked like clouds and a pillowcase that resembled clouds. And when she went to bed that night, I said, Taylor, this is a magic pillow. And you can go and visit your mom wherever you are. And you can tell her where you are and that you love her. And I still remember Taylor saying, well, Nana, where would she be? And I said, she could be under an apple tree. She could be anywhere. But you can connect with her. And I think what we realized is that it's such a simple idea to just put your head on your pillow and be able to talk to someone you loved or talk to God and to feel that connection to someone. Oh, how wonderful. So how did the idea for this book come about? How did things happen? Wow. Well, Taylor was visiting me for Thanksgiving in 2018. And when she walked into the house, she was carrying this pillow and pillowcase. And I looked at it and I said, Taylor, that's really well used. And she said, it is, Nana. I ended up washing it in the dryer for her and she ended up leaving it on her way back to Minneapolis. And when I called her and I told her, Taylor, you forgot your pillow. She said, Nana, I've never gone to bed without it. What will I do? And so I made a promise to her that I would get it to her the next day. And that morning when I was getting dressed and has been taking a shower, a voice literally came to me and said, everyone who has a loss and is missing someone that they love should have a pillow in a pillowcase. And so we started together a 5013C. Oh, wow. And it's all history from there. It's just been a, a wonderful project. It's been so healing. So what was it like when it gets down to actually writing the book and putting it together, getting it ready for publication? You were working together on this. What was that like? For me, I'm naturally just so busy. I'm now raising my niece. So I've had more of like an outsider type of helping with my grandma. So she's done most of the heavy lifting here, but it's been a blast. I mean, I get to meet all these new people I've never met. And it's something that has such a strong message behind it. It's really nice to like draw in different people from different backgrounds and every different type of walk in life. And so we've got to hear other people's stories. We've got to share ours. I don't know too much about like the actual publication of everything, 
my grandma handles that, but more or less, like, I've, I've had a blast doing it, and it's really fun to just be able to share my story and meet new people and kind of get to see all the drawings and whatnot. It's, it's super fun. The name of the book is My Pillow Has Wings, a true story of loss, love, and forgiveness, co-written by Karen and Taylor Ellenbecker, and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Amazon, traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Karen and Taylor, it was truly a blessing talking with you today. I was blessed myself learning about how you're reaching out and helping people and doing all kinds of things to get the message out there. So I had a really nice time talking with you both tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting us. Thank you. Have a great day. I'd like to welcome to the show author Barbara Lynch. Barbara, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you. Great opportunity. You have a new book out right now. It's called Joey's Free Fall. Can you tell me all about it? Well, I have been a children's pastor for over 40 years and teaching Bible verses. Different stories have been brought up, and I've taken it to the next step and created a story around it, emphasizing the Bible verse. So about how long were you working on this? This particular story I have told over the years, probably 10, 15 years, and then decided to get it published because it was always well-received to my audiences. I've also been a missionary, and I've shared these stories across the world hmm. through translation and or acting it out, and it's always been well-received. Wow. So what's your writing background like? Have you ever done this kind of thing before? This actually is my third children's book. My first one, a girlfriend illustrated it for me, and I self-published two other books. So this is my third children's book. Oh, that's fantastic. Do you have plans for more after this? Yes, I do. My next one is Henry's Secret Recipes, and that came about visiting a missionary family in Peru with a little boy, Henry, sitting across from me, making all kinds of concoctions with his food that looked absolutely gross, but he insisted I taste it, and much to my surprise, it tasted good. <laughs> what sorts of readers do you think this is best suited for? Parents of young children, children's church. I'm a grandmother, so I've read it to my grandchildren. Mm. So it's, it's got a good story. Mm. Children's books, part of what's so important to them are the illustrations. Mm -hmm. What was that process like for you when you write these books, getting your words translated visually? Well, it's always difficult for me because my characters have been in my head and my heart for a long time, and then to try to get that image across to the artist is sometimes hard. Mm. And I have to get to a point where I just have to accept their vision. And sometimes it's not totally what I've visioned in my head over the years, but so far I've been happy with the outcome. Is writing an easy thing for you, especially these kinds of books, or does it take you a little bit longer? Once I have the story, I can sit down and it flows, but it does churn in my spirit for a while, which I like because I get to develop the story, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What sorts of feelings do you get whenever you get your first copy in your hands after working on it for so long? 
It's exciting to see my vision take flight and then to actually hold it. But more satisfying is giving the book to a child Mm. and having the parent or the grandparent read it. And then they send me a picture of the child holding the book and how they were touched by it. Do you have any words of advice for aspiring authors, people who have a message, maybe have a story to tell and need the world to hear it? To stop procrastinating. It's not a stupid idea. And to write it down and just do it. It's fantastic advice. (laughs) Writing isn't always easy. It can be tough and it can be kind of lonely sometimes. It's often easier if you have people who know that you're taking this on and they can be there to support you and encourage you, motivate you along the way. Did you have people like that in your life? Yes, especially when I'm telling the story in children's church or when I'm out in the mission field and I'm sharing these stories Two children with adults in the room, it Mm. always is so touching to see an adult lean in and get caught up with my characters. Oftentimes when you're driven to write, it also means you're an avid reader. Would that describe you? Yes, I like to read. Uh Uh-huh. What sorts of things do you read to keep yourself motivated or encouraged? I'm always in an inspirational devotional book and or I love a good mystery. I have some favorite authors and yeah, I'm always I always have a book I'm reading. Well, the name of the book is Joey's Freefall, written by Barbara Lynch. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes and down the street at your local bookstore, too. Barbara, thank you again for stopping by the show tonight. Thank you for writing this book. I had a really nice time chatting. You're welcome. It's been a privilege. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.